Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. Give it up for Jesus, not me. Please, all honor goes to him. I just work for him. Hey, um, thank you, Dr. Hagen. Uh, I'll give you my birthday so you can know. Send me, Dad, uh, if you can send me some money, that'd be great. Uh, my name is Mike. I get to serve as pastor of LifePoint Church. It's my privilege to be with you and such an honor to be with you these last, uh, this week and then three weeks ago and then actually back in the spring. I do, I've, I've loved getting around your school, bringing my daughter up here. And thanks to Dr. Hagen, Jeff Grinnell for opening the door for me uh, to come here. And uh, all the faculty, you guys have just been so warm and inviting. And uh, I, I do want to tell you, I, I got a challenge for you. Now, I know you guys, this is Wednesday Chapel, so uh, none of you are going to class, I don't think. Is that correct after this? But you do have like lunch or smoke break. I don't know what you got to leave for. <laughs> I want to ask you, if you would, as a favor to a long-winded preacher, let me finish this sermon before you leave, because I think it's going to bless you. Um, I'm, I'm preaching the parable of the talents. If you want to turn, since you brought a paper Bible, to Matthew 25, if you'd like to scroll there, um, you're a faker, but bring a Bible to chapel. <laughs> but I wrote a book. Uh, our church has grown really fast, and I got a lot of questions and compl- you know, comments, people asking, how do we do it, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I wrote a book just trying to give a tool to leaders and pastors, uh, it's, and I'm not here to sell it to you guys because you've got plenty to read. Um, but I did bring a copy I wanted to show you, and I have a challenge for you guys. And I did this in one of the classes yesterday. So Parable Church, it's how the, the parables of Jesus should shape our Christianity. In fact, it's a novel idea that what Jesus said should shape how we do life in the church. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, I, I really focus in on the idea that the parables of Jesus reveal life in the kingdom of God. And that, that should shape how we do ministry. So any of you that want to be in church ministry in particular, you need to get a copy of this book. But also, all of you that are Christians, I really believe that this is written for the body of Christ at large. Uh, it, it, it'll be a blessing to you. So I went to the Mall of America with my daughter the other day. Uh, because what do you do in Minneapolis when you got your daughter with you? You go to the mall and you look at a roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we went to, we saw Barnes and Noble and Barnes and Noble had it on the shelf where I live. So I was like, we're going to see if they have it at the Mall of America, Barnes and Noble. So I walk in the store and it's a big old store and I, I go to the desk and I ask the person working there at the desk. I said, hey, sir, can you look up a, a book by this great author, Mike Burnett? <laughs> He's like, how do you spell it? B-U-R-N-E-T-T-E. <laughs> So he pulls it up and he goes, uh, I've got Parable Church, is that right? I said, yeah, that's it. And I said, do you have any on the stack? And we were going to do this whole like video photo thing on Instagram with my daughter. And he goes, no, sir, we don't have any in stock. Would you like me to order you a copy? I said, bro, I pulled out my wallet. I don't even know why I did this. I showed him my ID. I was like, I'm the author. <laughs> and he just goes, he goes, okay. You know, like I live around books all the time. He's not impressed, right? So then he said, you know what I'm going to do for you? I said, I just want to see if my book was on the stack here. He goes, it's in our, it's in our queue. I'm going to rush order five copies of your book to this store. I said, you are? So I'm like a nationally known bestseller now when it goes to you know, the Mall of America. It's all over the country. So there's five copies being shipped to the Mall of America, Barnes & Noble right now. So here's my challenge to you guys. This is Jeff Dio's gift copy, so I can't throw it out to you. Um, but if you go to the Mall of America, Barnes & Noble... And you grab my book. I don't even care if you buy it. If you go to Mall of America in Barnes and Noble and find my book on the stack and take a photo of it and tag me on Instagram, I will mail you a $50 bill 
as a thank you. I just want somebody from Minneapolis to be like, look what's here at Barnes and Noble. So I will mail you a $50 bill. I don't Venmo, I don't Cash App, I'm 40 plus, so I don't do any of that stuff. But I, you send, you tag that, it's past, at Pastor Mike Burnett with an E on the end. If you tag me, the first person to do it, not all of you, God help me. <laughs> the first person to do it. And then if a second person does it, like some really swagged out kind of post or whatever, I'll send you a $50 bill too, just for fun. But I just, I'm issuing a challenge to the North Central community. If you will tag a photo of my book at the Mall of America, Barnes and Noble, you don't even have to buy it. I'll mail you 50 bucks. Deal? Just the first person, not 25 of you. Good Lord, I got to pay for my daughter's weddings. <laughs> hey, your school's been really kind to me. Thank you for hosting us. Uh, this is my last event. And I would like to just, as a thank you to you guys, I want to invest back into your scholarship here. And so the school has gifted me with some honorarium uh, just as a thank you. And by the way, anytime you ever have a speaker in, you always want to be a blessing to them. But it, you guys really have been. And the students, the conversations have been so great. I would like to gift my honorariums back into the scholarship fund here to be generous to you guys. So that'll help you, some of you that are applying for scholarships, to continue your education here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, in the final judgment section of Matthew, Jesus is telling, telling a bunch of parables about getting ready for the end of days. And he tells one of my favorite, I write about in the book a little bit more detail, but he says, uh, he talks through the parable of the talents. I'm going to have it on the screen for you, but you should have this in your Bible. Matthew 25, 14, it, it, talking about the end of times and the judgment he's talking about in the kingdom, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Whose property? His property. To one of his servants, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. To another, he gave one. He gave to each according to his ability. It's an interesting part. You need to underline that. Then the master went away, or the man went away. Now, he who received the five talents went at once and started trading with them, and he made five talents more. Also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time... The master of those servants came to settle accounts with them. In other words, to get his money back. And he who had received the five talents came forward and he brought five talents more. And he said, underline this, master, you gave to me five talents. Here I have five talents more to give you. His master says, underline this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, haha. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Then also he who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now he who had received the one talent came forward and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid of you. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew I would reap where I haven't sown. And you knew I would gather where I scattered no seeds. You should have at least invested my money with the bankers so that at my coming, I could have received what was mine with interest. So take this talent from him and give it to the guy with 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant 
into the outer darkness, and in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So to end on a positive note, you ever notice Jesus is like a good bar joke teller? Three guys walk into a bar. You know, he's always got these three characters in his stories. There's a five-talent guy and a two-talent guy, and the, the punchline's always the third guy. This parable is in the context of many teachings of Jesus about the end of days, about being ready for the return of Christ, about judgment. And he's writing to his followers, and he's warning and, and challenging us to be prepared for his return and living faithfully to him, even until the very end, and revealing a little bit about what it's going to be like. But as we, move, as we move through this parable, I've set up some ladders here, and I want to rewrite the parable, if I can, without taking too much liberty. To, instead of the parable of the talents, I want to call it the parable of the ladders. And I think it's just a, it's a really crass business illustration that parallels well. Uh, the ladders represent just you know, the, the height, visibility, growth, success, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and we know like not to over-spiritualize success in the church world because how many of you know to be successful is to just be obedient to Christ. But we're going to use this as a crass uh, visual for you. And let me remind you of some of the characters in the story. First of all, we got the owner, the master, the man uh, in the parable. He's the landowner, the boss. He's the one with all the resources. He's the one that owns it all. He's the one responsible for the employees to provide what they need in order to be successful for him. So everything they have, he gave them. Everything he saw in them was because of his view of them. And everything that they actually produced, they gave back to him. He was the one representing Jesus in the story. Jesus is actually the man going away on a journey. Jesus actually has servants. And Jesus has entrusted all of his servants with measures of talent, ability, skill, resource, whatever you want to call it. So he's on this journey, by the way, and it's been a long time, 2,000 years. It's <laughs> a while. In the parable, we have the workers. These are the ones entrusted to perform on behalf of the master, specifically because the master's in charge. He owns it all. But since they work for and belong to him, they're to produce for him. The workers in this parable are us. All of the parables have this representative language. The parables, in, if you remember, the disciples said, why do you always talk in parables? And he says, because you guys may understand the ways of the kingdom, but I tell these stories to make it palatable for those that don't understand my way. But all these parables have representative characters, and the workers are us. We are the workers. He is the master. He's on a journey. We're awaiting his return. But how many of you know he's entrusted to us the third part, talent? And talent is not skill and ability and the ability to, you know, play music. A talent is a monetary amount. It's a portion of money. Specifically, it was uh, about 75 pounds of precious material. A talent could have been measured in multiple ways, but if it were just material alone, let's say it was gold, uh, it's 75 pounds of gold or maybe silver, and in today's worth, a talent would be worth about 6,000 days worth of your income or about 20 years of your salary. So I just want you to take a moment. Let's say you start a job making $40,000 a year, and let's say your boss comes to you on day one of your job and says, I'm going to go ahead and give you 20 years worth of your salary. I'm going to pay you up front 20 years of salary. And you're going to work for me the whole time. A talent's about 20 years of salary. So the five-talent guy got 100 years of salary. <laughs> I love the end of the parable. He goes, I've entrusted you with a little. 100 years of salary, 40 grand. That's a lot of cheddar. Second guy, two talents. Two times 20 is 40. 40 years of salary. I've entrusted you with a little. I mean, 40 years is a whole working career. And can you imagine your boss on the day you're hired says, I'm going to give you your whole working salary forever. And you just go do for me and work really hard. Even the one talent guy got 20 years of his paycheck. 
How many of you know that's not too shabby to get half a working's life in a bag of gold? I mean, this is Scrooge McDuck type stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so in today's economy, by the way, a talent of gold would be about a million point two. Uh, a talent of silver would be about 16,000. Um, but a talent of income, 20-year salary, you know, you do the math. In, in America, I think the average household income is $56,000. So times 20 years, I mean, you do the math. It's a lot of money that he has entrusted to these three servants. So as I work through this, ta- this parable, I like the idea because I don't have bags of gold to show you. So I, th- I started thinking, like, what if we illustrated it just through uh, what many of us are thinking about with our influence and our effectiveness and our publicity and what, you know, God's doing, how big our ministry is, our platform. Can I just crassly illustrate it this way? And, and maybe to some of you, God would say, I- I'm going to trust you with this, this size ladder, this two-step ladder. And that's what I'm going to trust you with because that's what I trust you with. Because I'm the master and I own it all and I own you and I love you and this is what you're good at right now. And maybe some of you, God would say, I'm going to trust you with this five-step ladder. And, and maybe it's because you, you served here for a long time, but now you're ready to take on a little bit more responsibility. You're taking on maybe director position or an executive team member. Or, or maybe God's going to look at you for some reason, even in your 20s, and go, you're a five-talent person. You're a five-talent lady. You've got the leadership gift. You've got humility and ethics. And I'm just going to entrust you to this size influence. Are y'all getting the visual yet? Uh, let, me just, let me just ask you this probing question. First of all, uh, whose is it all? Yeah, it's the Lord's. And whose are we? <laughs> so why in the world are we ever competitive about what size ladder we get? Why in the world do we ever care? I mean, if, if this is your ladder, freaking love your ladder. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what God, like, hey, listen, this is what the God of the universe has entrusted to me. And, and let's, let's categorize it like in the ministry world. Maybe you're a part-time intern without the phone number of the children's pastor. <laughs> they don't trust you yet with any of that. And God's just given you this amount of influence yet. He's given you this amount of wiggle room in the ministry here. Maybe you're a talented musician, but no one's seen your talent yet, so you don't get to lead in chapel yet. You're just a one-talent person, and you're trying to figure out your next season. And you're, why don't, instead of trying to hustle onto that ladder, just love the ladder you've been given. What about just embrace the gifts and the talents and the place where God sees you're at? Man, we're in such a comparison junkie culture. I'm so thankful that you talked about social media. I hate social media. I actually don't hate it. It in itself is moral neutral. But what it reveals of us is what I can't stand. And we're in such a comparison culture right now. You know what happens when you're on this ladder and you're 21 and you don't have any influence? I was 21 when I started ministry. I was a choir director. I'm a classically trained opera singer. I've sung in New York. I've sung in 20 operas. I've sung for good money. And I'm a part-time choir director at a traditional Shout to the Lord AG church with 20 60-plus-year-old choir members who don't read music and never come on time. That was my first job in ministry. And I hated that they were never on time. I hated that they could not read music. I'd give them sheet music and they'd go, we don't need this. Just give us the lyrics and a CD. (sighs) (laughs) To this day, some of those choir members are spiritual mothers in my life. At 21, they followed my leadership. And and you know what? I, I didn't have to be responsible for Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I didn't even have to want that. I didn't have to lust after that. I, all I had to, all God had said, I can trust you with Mike. 
is uh, 20 musically illiterate old ladies and two guys who can't sing on pitch. <laughs> oh, Bruce. <laughs> and God said, this is where you're at. This is what I trust you with. What if we just love the ladder God's given us? What if we just say, man, you gave me one talent in the kingdom of God? Are you kidding me? It was 20 years of salary. You entrusted this to little old me. I'm nobody. Can you believe God let me have a piece of his yes. kingdom? What if? So, so I got to ask this question, like, what are you doing with what you've been given? Stop lusting after what God gave somebody else over here. You know what? I got on this size ladder, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make this about me, but all of a sudden, like, I'm senior pastoring a church, and I got families in my church. I got a board I got to run, and I'm not saying I'm a two-town or five-town guy. Just roll with the illustration, okay? It's crass. But all of a sudden, I'm like, my words matter when I go to Walmart. You know, you can't cuss out somebody at the line when you're the senior pastor of the church. Shouldn't do it anyway, but you really can't when you're carrying the leadership. There were days that I sat as our church was growing, and, and, and I, I just would look at God and go, I can't believe you let me do this. I can't believe it. But there were moments where I go, man, I really miss those days. It was so much easier. It wasn't as heavy then. Uh, there wasn't as much risk when I was there. See, a lot of you, and you should, say, God, I'll go as far as you want. I'll do all that you want. I'll do anything you ask of me. But let me tell you something. That's a risky prayer. Because if you let God grow you and you let him raise your level of influence, the catastrophe of loss is a lot harder. Falling from this place is, a. I mean, I'm going to sprain an ankle, twist a knee or something from here. Right there, I'm just going to step off that thing. We always want the big. We just don't want the burden. <laughs> so what do you do? Hey, listen, maybe some of you are here. I'm watching you guys. Some of you guys, you're just two talent level people. You just are. You just got it going on. You're sharp as a tack. You're the ones that all the professors are like, man, I see great things in your future. What are you doing with that? Are you building your brand? Are you building his brand? Are you, are you, are you settled in investment here? Or are you despising those? there? Or are you lusting for that over there? See, ladder climbers, all they think of is they, their eyes always up here. But I'm telling you in the kingdom of God, your responsibility needs to be right where God has entrusted you and planted you. What are you doing with what God's given you? Listen, you're never responsible for what God gave someone else. And that's what happens in the parable, right? So what are you doing with all that God's given you? What are you, what are you doing with the, the gifts and the talents, the ministry influence, the, 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 the showmanship that God's given you? Listen, to the one, he, the master, gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. To the third, he gave one. How? Each one according to his own ability. It wasn't discrimination. It wasn't the master going, I like him more. I like him less. Listen, it was the master saying, I trust him more. I trust him more. I, I can entrust him. It's his stuff. And maybe the position you're at in ministry and influence has more to do with what God's seen you trustworthy with than what you want. Maybe where you're at in this walk with God so far and your level of ministry and your influence and your job and your money and, 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 and what's going on in your life, maybe it does have something to do with how much God sees he can trust you with so far.
Man, I'm telling you what, I miss, I miss one, one rung ladder days. Dr. Hagen, you remember starting in ministry? Like when you knew everybody's name and you had all their numbers in your phone? I remember one time as a, a pastor when I had been at the church about a year. And our auditorium was a little smaller than this one. And uh, we had 85 people my first Sunday. And about a year in, I was able to, like I knew, I'm really good at like reading the crowd and memorizing the names of under 200 people. So I wrote a handwritten card to every member of our church from memory. I just was like, okay, I know who sits over here. I know who, and I wrote all these cards. I spent a whole day doing it. And I sent every single person in our church a handwritten note from their pastor. I couldn't do that today if you had a gun to my head. I just missed these days. It was less risky. The notoriety is fun when you're a two-talent guy, you know, and you got visibility and people want you around. But man, it's just, it's way more costly. It's way heavier. By the way, you can do a lot less from that position than you can do from this position. I mean, I don't have the, you have a lot more freedom when there's less on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So, so maybe God's given you all he knows you can handle right now. And maybe that's just how good our God is. Maybe your place of promotion has nothing to do with you and it's all about God caring for you and God watching over you and God entrusting to you with his kingdom. None of what we're studying for and practicing for and learning about is about his kingdom, is about our kingdom. It's all about his. Consider the possibility that every part of you is a gift from God so that you can return a gift to God. Second question is, what kingdom are we investing in? I mean, are you trying to build your brand? Are you kidding me? We don't work for us, right? Hey, if you're a Christian, it doesn't matter what your major is. If you say yes to Jesus, then the Great Commission is your assignment. If you're, if you're going to be a basketball player, be the greatest kingdom ambassador on a basketball court the world's ever seen. If you're going to be a business owner, a lawyer, a doctor, a medical professional, you'd be the best the kingdom of God has ever produced. That's the talent God's given you. That's the place of influence. And you just leverage that to the glory of God and trust the Lord for his promotion. What we do with what we've been given is a direct reflection on which kingdom we value. Now, what's interesting in the parable The five-talent guy comes to Jesus, the master. I'm not going to climb this because the risk is too high. I mean, I'm tall. I like being up here, you know what I'm saying, but not that tall. So the five-talent guy, 100 years wages, says he comes back to the master and he says this. Read the language. He goes, master, you've given me five talents. I've earned five more. Watch. Here's all of it back. He got nothing out of it. He got no commission. He got no side, like, you know, check. You know what the reward was? None of this. None of what he had. The reward was well done, good and faithful, not fruitful. He didn't hear well done, good and fruitful servant. I I don't know about you, but I think we idolize fruitfulness in ministry now. We idolize it and and we despise when God's fruitful in others and we shame when God's not fruitful in some. Fruitfulness is a broken concept. It's an idol. We've got to stop trying to hunt down and hustle fruitfulness. The, 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 The admonition from the master is well done, good and faithful. And here's the deal. We turn it all back in. We take nothing with us. We come to heaven with, we start this world with nothing. Ecclesiastes says, naked I came into this world and naked I leave this world. Like, by the way, 
all the literalists, would, you know, we expect babies to be born naked. Could you imagine a funeral that was literal? Anyway, uh, that's a weird funeral, you know what I'm saying? Closed casket. <laughs> I believe I follow the Bible to the letter. I'll see you at your funeral, bro. <laughs> we take nothing with us. Here's the reward. Ready? Here's the reward. Enter the joy of the master. Here's what we're working for. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Here's the reward. The presence of God. I don't need any crowns or castles in heaven. I just need Jesus. I know one day. Here's what I believe God started me with a small broken church of 52 people following a moral failure and two and a half million in debt. And I just remember distinctly thinking, this is all I'm responsible for. And I'm just going to work this field the best I know how. And if God chooses to grow it, I'm going to let him grow it. And I'm going to prepare for growth. And I'm going to steward that growth. I'll build buildings as he brings people. But I didn't start out with that. No, in fact, I'm still not a five-talent guy, in my opinion. I'm, I'm barely off this first ladder. But I know one day, whether the Lord calls me home or he returns, there's going to be a day that I bring Life Point Church to the altar of God. And I go, Lord, it's the best I can do with what you gave me. And I just want to hear from God. Well done, Mike. You were good. And you are faithful. Not, he's not going to reward fruitfulness. And I get nothing from this. I just get his presence. If I could have learned at 21 and 19, trying to think about ministry future, if I could have learned the value of just be faithful, never despise where you're at. Listen, the same assignment for this guy is the same assignment for this guy. We've been entrusted with God's stuff. We've been called to be faithful. And we turn it all back in. Here's equity. You ready? We want equality and equity. We want everybody to have the same shot. The same shot as you've been entrusted as God sees fit. And the same reality is we all turn it back in. We, we leave with nothing. He says to the first guys, well, first two, well done, good and faithful. He says to the third, the third guy comes to him and he said, I knew you to be a hard man. He had a bad perception of God. <laughs> he said, I knew you to be a hard man, that you're collecting off my efforts. The master goes, that was the plan all along. You knew that I'd do that. And then he says, the reward for you is what you've earned. It's what you've revealed that you've really wanted the whole time. And I think it grieves the master to ever cast anyone out of his presence. But he goes, I entrusted you with my stuff. You've proven your disloyalty to me. We're, we weren't in relationship the whole time. So that's why we're not in relationship moving forward. I think the warning is strong and sturdy. But my final question is, you know, what's the risk? What's the risk of going all in in the place of your talent, in the place of your ability, in the place of God's influence on your life? What's the risk? Risk it all. Not, we don't risk it all because we're afraid of God, but we do it because we love God. We, we invest everything we can, not because we fear his judgment, but because we want to be a blessing and found faithful to God. Don't despise what God's entrusted to others. Just look at what God's entrusted to you and be faithful with that. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people. Everything you have, everything you are, everything God has said of you and gifted to you so far, it's not over, by the way. He's, it's a journey of, of your walk with God. Everything you don't have, God hasn't given you yet. Just consider that your whole life is worth the risk to give in and give it all to God. I'm telling you, this parable of the talents you know, when pastors ask for help and ministry leaders want coaching, they go, how do I get to where, you know, how does our church get to that? How do I get to that place? I go, man, the key is simple. 
You just keep your eyes where God has you and you stay faithful there. And if he chooses to promote or grow your influence, then you humbly step into that place. But man, don't ever want what God hasn't gifted with, to you. I had a mentor say to me once, I want to be free to do everything God's called me to do and careful not to do anything else. Man, God owns it all. He sees what you're capable of. Your job is to steward what you've been given. God will settle accounts with us one day. We turn it all back in. And it's all his. And God's expectation is not fruitfulness, but it's faithfulness. So will you commit at this season of your ministry, at this season of your Christianity, will you commit to kill the idol of fruitfulness in your life? Quit despising the gift of fruitfulness in other lives. And will you just commit to love your ladder and commit to be faithful with what God has entrusted of his kingdom into you, his servant? Can I hear a big amen, everybody? Let me pray for you. And I want you to respond however you want. I feel like this is a pretty direct question and you have to wrestle through whether or not you'll do what God's asking you to do. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you, God, that you've entrusted to us, cannot believe, silly old us, gets to be a part of what you are doing in the earth. Lord, this school is yours. This, the church I lead is yours. The family I have is yours. My skills and ability are yours, God. All that we are belongs to you. God, we commit today to being faithful with what you've entrusted to us. Thank you, God, for one talent leaders. Thank you, God, that you've called us to be one talent leaders. Thank you, God, for two talent leaders, that you've called some of us to be two talent leaders because that's what you see in us. Thank you, God, for five talent leaders. Thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted broken, flawed people to carry five talents worth of your kingdom. Thank you, God. Lord, we commit, no matter where you've assigned us in this room, one, two, or five, or 20, we will be faithful with your assignment. We won't despise other assignments. We won't lust after fruitfulness, the idol of growth. But God, we will be faithful to you in Jesus' name with our whole lives. If you commit to that, would you just pray this with me? Say, God, I believe that you love me, that you've called me to yourself. You've gifted me to serve your kingdom. Now say this, I commit to be content with your assignment on my life. I will be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's been my honor to be with you. I pray this word blesses you. Peace out, everybody. Thanks, man.